name and for his sake. Amen. We shall now read the word of God as we find it in the New Testament in the Gospel according to John and chapter 10. John's Gospel and chapter 10 and we'll read verse 1 to 30. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. When he has brought them out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the Colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The words that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. 
and so on. May the Lord bless to us the reading of that portion of his word. We shall now sing in Psalm 73. Psalm 73 and at verse 23. Nevertheless, continually, O Lord, I am with thee. Thou dost me hold by my right hand, and still upholdest me. Thou with thy counsel, while I live, with me conduct and guide, and to thy glory afterward receive me to abide. Whom have I the heavens high but thee, O Lord, alone? And in the earth whom I desire, besides thee there is none. My flesh and heart doth faint and fail, but God doth fail me never. For of my heart God is strength and portion forever. We shall sing these verses to the Lord's praise of Psalm 73, verse 23 to 26. Nevertheless, continually, O Lord, I am with thee. I am the good shepherd, 
the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And again, verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This morning we reflected upon Jesus as the Lamb of God. This evening I would like to reflect upon Jesus as the Good Shepherd. Now this expression, I am the Good Shepherd, is the fourth of seven similar expressions that are to be found only in the Gospel of John. The other six are, I am the light of the world, I am the gate, I am the bread of life, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way and the truth and the life, and I am the true vine. Jesus, by using such images as bread, light, and door, was using images with which the people were familiar and therefore they could grasp and hold on to his teaching. The same is true regarding the use of shepherd, for shepherding was something with which the people were very familiar. Now this expression that we have here, I um, the, uh, that expression that Jesus uses to introduce himself to the people is very interesting. So we'll look at that expression first of all. I am. In chapter 8 of this gospel, where Jesus is speaking to the Jewish leaders who claim that they were the descendants of Abraham, and he says to them, if they were the children of Abraham, that they would believe on him. Then Jesus makes this remarkable statement, wherein he claims to have existed before Abraham. For he says to them, truly, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, he is saying to them, I existed before Abraham, and I continue to exist after Abraham. I am. And Jesus, by identifying himself as the I am, he is identifying himself 
was the way in which God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush in the wilderness when he commissioned him to the task of taking the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses asked, what is your name? What will I tell to the people when I'll go with to them uh, with your message? What will I say to them? What is your name? And God told him to say that I am sent you. I am sent you. Now Jesus applies the self-same designation to himself. I am the good shepherd. What Jesus wants the crowd to focus upon is to know who he is. He is the great I am. He is the one who is from everlasting to everlasting. In other words, to use a Pauline phrase, he is God manifest in the flesh. God manifest in the flesh. I am the good shepherd. Now, not only were the people familiar with shepherds and their flocks, but the Jews also regarded God as their shepherd. The theme of God shepherding his people is a theme that runs throughout the Bible. When Jacob, for instance, came to bless the two sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh, he used these words. He said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. And the authorised version, if you're looking at that version, it is written, The God who has fed me all my life long to this day. Now the word fed, as we have it there uh, in the authorised version, in the original Hebrew is the same word that we can translate as shepherd. For instance, Psalm 23, that we'll see later on, the Lord is my shepherd, or Jehovah is my shepherd. It's the same word that we have in the AV as fed. In the here in our translation that we have in front of us, it's shepherd. So that uh, the Jews uh, always refer to God as their shepherd. In another instance we have in Psalm 80, where we have these uh, words, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who led Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. They have this thought of God as their shepherds. In the prophets there is the well-known text of Isaiah 40. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with him. There were many shepherds in Israel. There were many shepherds but he is the good shepherd. For he is different to all other shepherds. But Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. He is claiming, as we already noted, 
he is claiming deity to himself. I am, I am the good shepherd. He is identifying himself with the shepherd of the Old Testament. And that to the Jew meant only one thing, God. In verse 33, they charge him with blasphemy. Why? It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, they said to him, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. I am the good shepherd. The New Testament, when we come to the New Testament, it describes sort of a threefold shepherd ministry of Jesus. In our text this evening, we find Jesus calling himself, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In other words, the, the shepherd bears their punishment. He dies for them. He, he is buried for them. He rises again for them. He ascends for them. He is at the right hand of God for them. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. In the book of Hebrews and chapter 13, Christ is, in, is laid brought before us as the great shepherd of the sheep through being brought back again from the dead. He rose again. He rose for them. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father for them. And then in 1 Peter chapter 5, we find the Lord is brought before us as the chief shepherd, with reference to his second coming, when he shall come to give to his own a crown of glory that fadeth not away. He is going to return again for the sheep. He is going to come back for them. Thus, in the Bible, in the New Testament, Jesus is brought before us as the good shepherd who lays down his life, as the great shepherd who rose again from the dead, and as the chief shepherd who is coming back again to bring his own uh, to, to be with him forever. Now, in our passage this evening, he contrasts himself as a shepherd with those who are merely hired hands. A person who is hired to look after the sheep. The hired hand is more committed to his own well-being than to the well-being of the sheep. When care for the sheep is not too dangerous, he is willing to work and receive his wages. But when he sees the wolf coming, when there is the least danger to himself, he abandons the sheep. The hired hand may be here brought before us as a reference to the Pharisees and to the religious leaders who never display personal care for the sheep. But the good shepherd, he is one who cares for the sheep and is willing to lay down his life for them. But another interesting thing about this shepherd, and we uh, touched on this in the morning, the interesting thing about this shepherd, in order to give his life for the sheep, it meant that the shepherd had to take upon himself the nature 
of his sheep. He had to humble himself and take on the nature of the ones for whom he came to give his life. Paul puts it in writing to the church at Philippi, he says, Though he was in the form of God and did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Here we have a shepherd who has the same nature as the sheep for whom he he lays down his life. As John reminds us in the earlier part of the Gospel, the Word became flesh. God manifest in the flesh. God incarnate. The babe that was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in the manger was none other than this shepherd. He was none other than the God-man. Obviously, this means that there was an intimate relationship exists between the shepherd and his flock. There is that intimate relationship existing between the shepherd and his sheep. But as you read the passage, you become aware of the fact that this relationship between the shepherd and his sheep is founded upon another relationship that exists between the shepherd and his father. He mentions that a number of times throughout this uh, chapter. And the relationship between the shepherd and his father, as we have often made reference to, uh, for within the Godhead, that is, the triune God, there was an arrangement made. A plan was set forth of how salvation for the lost sheep could be achieved. And the arrangement of the plan, we call it the covenant of redemption. That is, a covenant made between the three persons of the Godhead to affect our salvation, to work out our salvation, that would bring the lost sheep to come under his special purpose. He would receive the benefits of his covenant of grace that he had towards the sheep. In this agreement, the father chose his flock. He chose some in his sovereignty. He chose some in his beloved son before the foundation of the world. And God the Son pays the ransom price for the flock by giving or laying down his life. And God the Holy Spirit brings all the chosen and those for whom Christ laid down his life. The Holy Spirit brings them into the flock at the appointed time. So salvation is the work of the triune God. The Father chooses. The Son pays the ransom price. And the Holy Spirit brings all those who was chosen and for whom Christ paid the ransom price into the flock at the appointed time. No wonder the writer to the Hebrews writes, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And the basis of this great salvation is 
that it was the work of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father gave his Son this role of a shepherd, and he has willingly undertaken this role in the covenant of redemption. And this meant that he had to give or to lay down his life for the sheep. In verse 11, 15 and 17, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. You see, the Palestinian shepherd would do many things in caring for his sheep. But his plan was always to live for them. If he died in the defence and in their defence, or if it was if it was an accident that came his way, you know it would mean disaster for the sheep if the Palestinian shepherd was to die. It meant disaster for the sheep. However, this is characteristic for the good shepherd. He gives or he lays down his life for the sheep. Death for the sheep was his set purpose on coming into the world. And the death of the good shepherd means life for the sheep. There is a story regarding the First World War of a soldier who got badly wounded in one of the trenches. And he was taken to the hospital uh, where he lost his arm and anyway after being operated upon and, and coming round the doctor was there and the doctor says to the soldier I've got bad news for you you've lost your arm and the soldier turns round to the doctor and he says I didn't lose my arm I gave it and that is here what is true of the, of the good shepherd. He did not lose his life. He gave his life. He gave his life for the sheep. And what did that mean for the shepherd? To give his life for the sheep. Well, as the sheep were guilty before God, liable to punishment and exposed to God's judgment, the shepherd had to redeem them by paying a ransom price. And what was the ransom price that the shepherd had to pay? Well, here is how Peter puts it. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. In other words, the laying down of his life as an atoning sacrifice to God. That was the ransom price. The laying down of his life. The giving of his life. 
as an atoning sacrifice to God. To pay the ransom price meant that he as a good shepherd had to meet with what the sheep deserved. For our sakes he gave his life. He comes to where the sheep were. Our sins laid upon him and the shepherd dies. God lays on the shepherd the punishment of the sins that we have committed and therefore measured upon him is the punishment demanded by our guilt. For our sakes he made him to be sin who knew no sin. And note these words, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Why is Jesus why is he on the cross at Golgotha? For our sake. For our sake. Because our sins is what was laid or reckoned to him. The suffering was awful. So terrible because he was bearing the punishment of the sins of his people. This is the way the Bible describes his sufferings. He was stricken. He was smitten. He was afflicted. He was wounded. He was bruised. He was beaten or chastised. All this he suffered for our sake. All this he suffered for us. The worst aspect of his suffering is not the physical sufferings, which he endured at the hands of men, but those sufferings that he suffered at the hand of God. God was the one who put him to grief, not Pilate or the Jews or the crowds or the Roman soldiers. This was all part of the ransom price. We often look at Golgotha and we often give time to what the soldiers were doing and what the crowd was doing. And all these things are, as it were, physical things that can be seen. But there was an unseen hand at Golgotha. An unseen hand at Golgotha. The unseen hand of the Father laying upon his Son what my sins and your sins deserve. The triune God was at Golgotha. The Son was on the cross. The hand of the Father laying our sins and what our sins deserve on the Son and the Holy Spirit upholding the Son. The triune God. How great a salvation. Now there are, there are certain things which are important to observe about the way in which the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The first thing is that it was voluntary. This is evident in two places. In verse 11, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And in verses 17 and 18, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. He died voluntary for the salvation of the sheep so that the sheep would have life, that the sheep would be saved. He is there speaking of his own distinctive activity. I laid down my life. No one takes it from me. This can be seen at the cross. John also goes to record for us that when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, notice, his head didn't fall. He bowed his head. He said, it is finished. And then he, his own activity, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Luke records for us. Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. The manner of his voluntary death, it made an impact upon the centurion. Now the centurion was a hard-hearted man. He had seen crucifixions on many occasions. Uh, he had no place in his heart at all, no compassion really in his heart at all. He was a rough and ready man. And yet he noticed the way in which Jesus died. And it made an impact upon him. And upon many people that were thrown the cross that day. For we read in Luke, So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to that side, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts and returned. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So it was voluntary. And the second thing about this is that he gives his life founded upon his knowledge of the Father. For in verse 15 we read, Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Throughout his life, we are conscious of this communication that was going on between himself and the Father. When we read about the life of Jesus through the Gospels, we become conscious of this communication that was continuing between himself and the Father. And thirdly, we learn that his death was vicarious. He died not for his own sin. He had none but for the sins of the sheep. Our sins. And in our place. He indicates this by saying, I lay down my life for the sheep. That's why I'm laying down my life. That's why I am on the cross. That I, that's why I'm agonizing. That is why I am bruised. That is what is at the heart of all my 
suffering is my sheep. I am laying down my life for my sheep. Unfortunately, we often point out that personal pronouns are so important when we begin to think of our relationship with God. Like David, who could say, the Lord is my shepherd, or Jehovah is my shepherd. But it is also important when we begin to think of the shepherd's relationship to his sheep. He says, my sheep, I lay down my life for my sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own knows me. In verse 26, 27, he says, But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Personal pronouns are so important, not only in our relationship uh, with uh, the shepherd, but the shepherd's relationship with us. When we can say, like the church in the song that cries out, My beloved is mine, and I am his. The sheep is precious to the shepherd because, as we have already noted this evening, they are the Father's gift to him in the covenant of redemption. And he knows that. He says, yours they were, and you gave them to me. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. They belong to the shepherd as a father's gift, and he's always mindful of that very fact. Later on he says, Father, I decide that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. They are also precious to him, not only because they are the Father's gift to him, but also because they are his own covenant purchase. He has paid the ransom price for them. As the sheep were guilty before God, liable to punish and exposed to God's judgment, the shepherd had to redeem them by paying the ransom price. They are his covenant purchase. Therefore the sheep are precious to him. And it reminds us also that everyone who is a Christian, they are no longer their own. They belong to another. They belong to a shepherd. They are going to be sheep that belong to a shepherd. The shepherd says, I know them. The mark of any good shepherd is that he knows the sheep. He knows them as individuals and he knows their needs. And that can be a very staggering thought. He knows the kind of person that you are and that I am. He knows your circumstances and he knows my circumstances. The shepherd knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. In uh, Paul writing to the church at Rome says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. But only does this shepherd know them, but they know the shepherd. They can know the shepherd. Well, do you know the good shepherd who gives and who lays down his life for the sheep so that they can have life and that they can have that life more abundantly? Jesus says in his prayer in chapter 17 in his gospel, and this is eternal life. That they, may, they, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent for. Do you know this shepherd? He says here, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. You know, in the parable of the lost sheep that we have in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, we read how the shepherd took the initiative, and he, he went out to seek the sheep, that was lost. And in the history of this world, it all began when the shepherd came into the Garden of Eden after Adam had sinned. And he said, Where are you? Where are you? In the Garden of Eden, the voice of the shepherd is heard. Where are you? He's come to seek the sheep that was lost. It was the voice of the shepherd coming to seek the lost sheep. And I, I, believe that, I believe that Adam was the first sheep that he found and brought within the fold of faith. And why do I believe that? Well, I believe that he named his wife by faith. You'll notice in the narrative if you look in the narrative in the book of Genesis, it is always Adam and the woman. It was only after the promise was given that she is called Eve. Only after the promise of Christ, the promise of life, been given that he names the woman. And he names her Eve, the mother of all living. And how, why, how did he name her? He named her by faith, knowing that through her, that life would come. That through her, through the seed of the woman, that life would come. So I believe that Adam was the first sheep that he found and brought within the fold of faith. Although Abel was the first sheep to be brought home into God's house. But tonight he is calling to you and he is saying to you, where are you? Where are you? It's the voice of the shepherd in the gospel calling to you, where are you? Where are you in relationship to me? Are you at peace with me? Are you in a reconciled relationship with me through my son? Where are you? It is interesting that the word used for hear means not simply to hear, but to hear and to understand. To hear and understand. My sheep hear my voice. Not simply just hearing, but to hear and to understand. That's the meaning of the word hear. To hear the shepherd's voice and to understand the shepherd's language. You may be out on the hills of rebellion, 
and to you the voice of the shepherd comes. Or you may be on the hills of restlessness and to you the shepherd voice comes. And he says to you, come to me all you who labour and have heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Well, are you hearing the shepherd's voice tonight? He says here, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For those who truly hear and understand, Jesus says, They follow me. They follow me. People can give many different definitions as to what a Christian is. But here Jesus gives a very simple definition. A Christian is a person who follows Jesus. What that implies is that they are being led by him. He goes before them like the Palestinian shepherd went before his sheep. Their lives are completely brought under the sovereign direction of the shepherd. David could say, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. I suppose Psalm 23 is a very familiar psalm with most of us. If not the most familiar portion of scripture that that we know. And that for the simple fact that we have all taught the psalm from a very young age and probably was the first portion of scripture that we had committed to memory. It is a psalm that is often sung at marriages and at funerals when people take the words upon their lips and yet so many can be so ignorant of the shepherd of the psalm. They sing the psalm and yet they do not know its contents by experience. You probably will all have heard about the great singer who, in the, in the, before an audience, sang the 23rd Psalm so gracefully, so beautifully. And then there was an old man, and he sang the 23rd Psalm not so gracefully and so beautifully, but it brought tears to the eyes of the audience. And the lady who sang the psalm so gracefully and beautifully was asked, well, why did it not have the same impact upon us when you sang it so gracefully and so beautifully? And this old man, whose voice was so broken, and he sang it, and it brought tears to our eyes. And her answer was, I know the psalm. But he knows the shepherd. I know the son, but he knows the shepherd. Well, at the very outset of the psalm, the psalmist brings before us that intimate relationship that exists between the shepherd, Jehovah, and himself. The Lord is my shepherd. And that's what's important. It's not whether he is somebody else's shepherd. But that he is my shepherd. 
without that special relationship existing. The rest of Psalm 23 would make absolutely no sense. The rest of Psalm 23 hangs on that first line of the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. For what the psalm portrays before us is the journey of the shepherd and the sheep together until at last he brings the sheep home. The psalm is the pilgrim's song. The shepherd is caring and leading the sheep for the purpose of bringing them home with himself. In fact, we can say that the psalm is, is a Christian journey, something similar to uh, that great classic of John Bunyan called Pilgrim's Progress. It goes on and on until at last they brought home. Well, most of us will have memorised the entire 23rd psalm, but I Friends, I ask you in earnest seriousness, do you know by experience the first line of that psalm? The Lord is my shepherd. Because to know the shepherd is eternal life. Is Christ your shepherd? Do you belong to him? Can you say with your own heart and by experience with David, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Personal pronouns are so important when we begin to think of our relationship with God. Here David stresses his relationship with the shepherd when he says, he is mine. And there is an obvious sense in which he is also saying, and I am his. The Lord is my shepherd, and I am his. Now as we go into a hostile world, it is important for us to stay close by the shepherd. To hear his voice in reading the word, to hear his voice in preaching, and to speak to the shepherd in prayer. Stay in close fellowship with the rest of the flock. Follow the shepherd, stay close to the shepherd. Yeah, there may be times when we may have wandered away, when we might have thought that the grass was greener on the other side. And you may have gone to taste it and found that it's not so good after all. And you may say, well, what shall I do? Well, hear the shepherd. Hear the voice of the shepherd. Hear what he is saying. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. For my anger has turned away from him. I will be like the Jew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under the shadow shall return. They shall be ripe like grain and grow like a vine. The scent shall be like the wine. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. And finally, we have this thought brought before us, is that the sheep are totally secure. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. 
prophet says, See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. The sheep are totally secure. Totally secure. No one will snatch them out of his hand. And the shepherding does not end at the cross. He continues to shepherd his sheep and even when he brings them home, he still continues to shepherd them. John, in the, in, on the island of Patmos, in his vision, says, For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Well, do you know the shepherd? And are you one of the sheep? Do you know this good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep? Who laid down his life so that the sheep could have life, eternal life? Are you, do you know the shepherd? Are you being shepherded by the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless all those that despair. Eternal and ever blessed Lord, we give thanks unto thee that thou art the Good Shepherd, the Good Shepherd who came into this world in order to pay the ransom price for the redemption of the sheep that were given to him by the Father and for whom he agreed to come and to lay down his life for them. We give thee thanks, O Lord, for that great salvation that thou hast worked out for sinners such as we are. We give thee thanks for the security that belongs uh, to the sheep. For so often we wander here and we wander there. But your eye is always upon your own. They are marked out by thee. And thou, O Lord, in thy grace and compassion and pity and mercy, do bring us into uh, the fold. O Lord, we pray that thou would bless thy word to us, that we may know the Good Shepherd, that we may know him as the one who laid down his life, that we may know and behold the Lamb of God. We pray, Lord, that thou would continue with us during the coming days, and all that we ask with the forgiveness of our sins, in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We shall now bring our service to a close by singing the 23rd Psalm. Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd, I not want, he makes me down to lie. In pastures green he leadeth me, the quiet waters by. My soul he doth restore again. And me to walk doth make within the paths of righteousness, even for his own name's sake. We shall sing the whole psalm to the Lord's praise. Psalm 23. The Lord's my shepherd, I not one. He makes me down to mine. <clears throat> the Lord's my shepherd,
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.